Hello, and welcome to One Hit Away Foundation podcast series. I'm Darren Sidibaka and the co-founder of One Hit Away Foundation, which is the only nonprofit in the country that is dedicated to brain healing and brain health of sports-related concussions, and I might add, sub-concussions. If you are interested in learning more about brain healing treatments for sports-related concussions, this is the right place, and we thank you for your interest. Also, if sports have been or is part of your life, then you know that everyone is just one hit away from a sports-related concussion. Yep, that unpredictable and sometimes tragic invisible injury. Today we have a phenomenal podcast ahead of us with a great speaker. Uh, the title of the podcast today is, I, I call it Cross-Checked in Life, for Jamie Baker, a passionate NHL veteran and TV broadcaster for San Jose Sharks. Welcome, Jamie. We're really, really honored to have you, and I do want to make sure that I do give you a little bit of a proper introduction. So for those of you out there listening to, uh, to us today, thank you for your time. Jamie was born in Ontario, Canada, and following an outstanding college career at St. Lawrence University, went on to play in 10 NHL seasons, including four with the Sharks as number 13. Uh, he had 404 career games, tallied 71 goals and 79 assists for 150 points. Jamie also appeared in 25 Stanley Cup playoff games. That's phenomenal. Just incredible. Uh, known for his speed, grit, and tenacity as a player, Jamie was, has always been his best, and it is his best when the game is on the line. Speaking about being on, on the line, thank you for being on the line today with us <laughs> for our listeners. And um, as you know, our listeners are either in a situation, Jamie, where they have experienced the effects of concussion or subconcussive hits, or they're listening for interest purposes, or their parents themselves looking for direction for their own children um, in sports. So your information and what you've been through and experienced is going to be so much so valuable. So let's set the stage. You were the first NHL athlete we have had the pleasure of talking with uh, for our One Head Away Foundation podcast series. You're in that experience, and um, after NHL life experiences have shown you many of the unfortunate consequences of sports-related concussions. I know you have a ton to share on the topics, so let's dig right in. Okay, let's, let's, let's have the fun part. Tell us what, what it was like learning to play hockey and growing up in Canada. <laughs> we all here in the United States don't get that. Well, in some areas anyway. Not, it's not, uh, there's not a lot of outdoor rinks here in California. Minnesota, they call it the state of hockey. Back in New England, upstate New York, there's a lot more hockey. Um, but first, I want to thank you for having me on. And, and more importantly, thank you and Jill for what you guys do with One Hit Away. Um, the, the education, the passion for a very serious topic, and it's a very important topic, and it's kind of interesting, like having gone through concussions myself, I think what you guys are doing is if there's no stigma, people know that there's concussions in sports. Like, let's not hide from it. Let's bring it to the forefront. Let's talk about it. Let's recognize that, you know, the youth, we want our kids to, we don't want them all sitting inside. Like, we want them playing sports. And, unfortunately, there's, there's other injuries could potentially happen, too. It's not just concussions. That's part of sports. But the thing is, the more education we get on concussions, the less it scares us as parents to have our our children play, you know, in sports that might garner concussions, if you will. 
but they yeah, like ho- hockey, football, cheerleading, horseback riding. You know, I'm sure that you soccer. There's there's a, a, so many different sports, of course, and and that if something happens, there's ways to treat it now, which is it's the world is different than it was 20, 30 years ago. Sure so, is. so it's, it's it's an honor to be on here, and I have uh, much gratitude for being on here. As for my hockey, it's not quite as sexy as you're gonna imagine because in Canada, it's like I think we're born. It's it's a religion up there. I think I was born to be a hockey player, and <laughs> I've just I've determined I'm a two trick monkey. I'm good at hockey and moving, and the reason I'm good at moving is because I wasn't good enough at hockey to just stay in one organization. I had to move so much <laughs> that I that I learned to move a lot. Thus, I'm a two trick monkey. But I was playing like this is according to my parents. I mean, like when I was two three years old, I was like with mini sticks playing hockey down in the basement. When I was five, I was doing the exact same thing. I was down there, like, making these, you know, pretend games with a national anthem and stuff like that. Like, have my parents come and watch or my aunt, if my, my aunt or uncle, if they were there. Love it. And then, you know, and then, you know, like, I was playing road hockey out on the, you know, out on our street. We lived on a crescent in a, you know, in a good middle-class neighborhood in a suburb of Ottawa. And... And then when the winter came, there was an outdoor rink, you know, five, five to seven minutes away. So I would skate on it. But it's funny when you're younger, the bigger kids were always better. Like, you know, when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, there could be 20, 30 kids out there. I wouldn't necessarily touch the puck a lot. Like you'd have to be really good <laughs> because the bigger kids were just, you know, so, so, so you learn, but I used to play, like I'd just go over and play you'd get off. There was days like, I mean, this isn't like the minimum. This is the majority of the days. By the time you get off, you're soaking wet. Your, your, your toes are killing you. It's like a burning sensation that when you take your skates off and you warm them up, it goes through a, it like, it actually gets, they burn even more then they sting. <laughs> and then they, then they're numb. And then they actually like, by then they thaw out. Like, you know, you, they're not, I mean, our parents had to make sure we didn't get frost. You know, you don't want to get frostbite. But so, so let me ask was, you a real question: How many toes do you have left? They're all there. They're all there. Yeah. But that's like, but we didn't care. Then we go back and do it the next day because we had we had so much fun, you know. So, that's and if cool. we, you know, if we weren't on the outdoor rink, we were on the indoor rink with our team. And if I wasn't there, I was playing street hockey. Wow. And and so it was just a passion, you know. It was like what we did. Nice. And then, yeah. but we had summers off. Like back in the day, it was different. We had a cottage up on, it was on an Indian reservation, Native American, you know, indigenous now, but we used to call it on the Indian reservation, Algonquin Indians. So we never owned the land. So it wasn't like a real, it was, wasn't like a nice cottage that you would see in Lake Tahoe. It was like a a frame. It had electricity. Uh, We didn't even have running water for a while. Like eventually we brought, we brought water. We had an out, outhouse, out, outdoor shower. Like, we'd have to go down and fill up, like, buckets of water, and they'd heat the water to wash the dishes, go into town with a five-gallon jug. So it was like, it was like camping on steroids. That's what it was. And that's, what we it. Did in the, and that's what we did in the summer, and we didn't know any better. We loved it, right? Like, right. Well, when you're like, passionate about something, you don't know any better, and you keep on doing yeah. the right thing. And then, so, so you know, so at, end of March, you put the hockey sticks away, you finish your school year, you go, you hang out for a, 
a while up at the up at the cottage, and then August comes, and you know we'd go to a hockey camp and then start up again. Love and it. and I was Good never stuff. like a I was never a prodigy. I was just I just loved the game. And then as I got older, you could tell that I had you know that some I had some God given gifts, but I also you know I was never going to be a superstar, a Wayne Gretzky or something. But I I was better than I was always one of the better players on my team. And then, you know, when I got older into high school and college, I started to refine my skills, you know, my training. I took my training to another level off the ice and stuff and ultimately allowed me to uh, become a pro hockey player. Well, speaking of taking it to another level, I mean, uh, can you can you define in, in a specific sense how participating in sports at the highest level prepared you in life for family, spirit, I would say, and then TV broadcasting career after the NHL. What are the, some of the lessons you brought, you bring to your day because of the competing at the highest level? <sighs> Don't tell me I stumped I mean, you. That can never happen. No. Trying to find. Well, the spirit one's really hard, but we'll get to that. The family one is interesting because it's twofold. The word sacrifice comes into mind. Yeah. But they have to sacrifice. The family has to sacrifice more for me. Mm. The problem with being a pro athlete, when you get to that high level, I always say you're like, when you're at the top level, you're egotistical with an inferiority complex. You kind of almost have to be like that. Mm. To point. And I don't mean egotistical in a negative way. I don't want, like, yeah. you know, like an ego, like you have to have a, an ego to be able to overcome the adversity, to play against the best players in the world, to handle the media scrutiny, to handle the, in today's world, the social media scrutiny. Right. Like people take for granted. It's, you know, they don't, they don't like, they don't think about until you're in it, what it's like. Every, it's like if you're playing hockey, I played, you know, the three teams in Canada. Where, wherever you go, people are talking to you about how you're playing or how the team's playing. Right. You know, and, and it affects your family. So because everything is about you. It's when I when am I traveling? You know, what's my pregame routine? So there's a there's a significant consequence to the families. It is not easy being. So. Married, was, married to a pro athlete, was, or you know, but but later on, but when you retire, yeah, there are potential benefits. You know what I mean? Like, you take some of the things that you put into the sport, and then you can put it into relationships. Well, you you said something that's powerful word in our business is sacrifice because you dedicated your body, your family, your brain to the sport. Uh, you've dedicated your reputation, your personality. The spirit, I think it grows within considering how strong you go and where you grab from resources to get through things. TV broadcasting keeps you accountable for what you say, how you act. Um, clearly, the lessons you learn and the discipline you brought from your upbringing have allowed you to be to get through what you've gone through, which I want to get into now. Um, in 2019, you admitted you took multiple leaves of absence from broadcasting booth in 2017 and 18, nearly ending your life as you struggled literally with mental health. Uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that time in your brain 
and in your life? Well, it had been, first of all, there's, there's three facets to mental, mental health struggles or you could say men- mental illness, but it's mental health struggles. You're struggling with your mental health. Ultimately, you want it to become, I like to call it mental wellness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the biological factors, which I always had, like ADHD. I was always hyper, lots of energy, you know. I don't want to say life of the party, but I was in the middle of it. <laughs> um, and And, you know, but outgoing, all of that, but also that affected, you know, didn't always have the best focus and stuff like that. But that's okay, you know. And then there's environmental factors. And those those can be, you know, I went through, I was divorced once. Now I'm, I've been divorced twice. Those, like, get hit in the stock market. You could be in a, a car accident. Um, you know, your kid's going to college. A kid being sick, you know. All, there's all these different, at work, you can be struggling with somebody, you know, dealing with a a coworker, like whatever it is, there's all these, there's all these different environmental factors. And then there's TBI for those that uh, of us have had it. Right. And what happens is you don't really, I guess you, it, it's almost like wave, you wait, like waves, they, you know, they come and go, you know, and, and my depression would come and go. Sometimes, you know, it'd be, a little calmer, and then sometimes it would get worse. Um, and and looking back, it was a three to four year type of thing for about in the span of over fifteen to twenty years. Hmm. Every three to four years, I would I would really sink into some deep depression. The lack of sleep, my impulsivity, lack of focus, my mood swings. You know, all of it would perpetuate and become too much for me to bear. Hmm. And then I would go into a deep depression. So it wasn't the first time that I was there a couple of years ago, um, but it was probably the worst. Trying to self-medicate, you know, I didn't have any trust in psychiatry at the time. You know, um, one of the things I try and tell people now, if you go go down Avenue 1, you try and go get a good therapist or psychiatrist and it doesn't work out and go to Avenue two. If that one doesn't work out, go to Avenue three. If it doesn't work out, go to Avenue four, you'll find one. Unfortunately, I stopped after Avenue two and had, you know, I got overprescribed with Adderall back in 204 and almost, I mean, I went, I went crazy, locked myself in a room and literally went crazy. Like, you know, destroyed a, com- a computer, banging my head on the wall, throwing furniture. Like if there was a, a means to slice, you know, to, cut myself and harm myself with a knife or something, I would have done it. I was really in a bad place. And I came down and then, you know, I came out of that major, major rut, but I wouldn't go back. I'd, I'd lost trust in psychiatry, which isn't, has nothing to do with psychiatry sure. or therapy. It has everything to do with me, my perception. And so I just kind of coped on my own. And it just, things got worse over time. Um, because nothing was getting fixed, you know. Sure, I didn't. Sure. I, I didn't. I didn't have the means to fix it. Like I was, I was, I was on my iPad playing solitaire three, four hours a day, like right. trying wow. to distract. I couldn't wow. slow my brain. I couldn't slow my brain down. I, I was. I, I could. I wouldn't want to go out socially. I couldn't. I couldn't talk to people. Couldn't communicate. I had anger issues. 
short temper. I never hurt or harmed anybody or anything right. other than myself. Punching, you know, mm. I, I throw, throw stuff. Break. I always, always in, in when the depression came and got to a certain level, I'd always destroy a hockey picture. It's funny. Depression. I'd always, like, I've lost a lot of my, the best hockey pictures are all gone. Destroyed, over broke, like, my hand or over my knee. And uh, so this one a couple of years ago was, was one of the worst. I was just in a bad place. I became paranoid, everything. It was just, it was, you know, I hit, I was hitting rock bottom and I needed to get help, you know? And so did you, at, did you at that time though, did you at that time or even in 2004, five, six, all the way through have a, have an inclination that your brain was injured and this may be extrapolating everything to the top. Did you have any clue of that? Any for anybody around you kind of like put that together for you? I think I did because every time I was depressed, I, it's like hockey, I would cuss but I'd be like, you know, hockey yeah. gave me everything and hockey's going to take everything away. Oh, wow. wow. That was my, that, that was my, like, it's, yeah. So that was my, that was my mentality. See, that, that's the thing, Jamie, and you know so much better than I do because of your colleagues. When they're going through the heat that you've gone through on the negative side and try to find your way out in a very dark time, the supporting cast that you grew up with, not not attending family, I'm talking about professional level, they they kind of never let you know that maybe there is a correlation of a, a potentially injured brain and that maybe there's some opportunities to get help. And that's, that, sure, that's the beautiful world, okay, going forward. But is, was that reality? Is that reality they know? And that's one reason we're and you are trying to do what we're doing. It's It's so dangerous to go into a dark space with nobody around you saying, hey. Well, nobody knew, though. Nobody, yeah, you're right. Like I could, I could go out. Like, you know, I process really quickly. You have to to play pro hockey, so my brain's always going. You know, it was moving too fast, but it would never slow down. Nobody knew that I didn't sleep. I could go out. I'd go out and have drinks, get drunk with people that I saw. You know, you see them every now and then. The only people that would have known were the people that were with me a lot, like right. almost every day. Right. They they would ultimately see it, but like for me. When you're in the state that I was in, it's who I who I, it's it's who I who I became. Like it's who I was. What I became, what I was, where my brain was, it doesn't know who I was before. Good. It doesn't know. Like I so what this whole, you know, leave of absence and everything. So I, I went and had lunch with my, the mom of my kids. She was with me when I had my concussions in hockey. And she said, like, this is when you started to change. So, like, I talk about the biological factors and, and the environmental. But the bottom line is the concussions, you know, and, yeah. and the sub-concussions changed me. And so, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just blame, there's, I'm not blaming, I don't want to just blame that because I went, you know, I lost two buddies in the World Trade Center. Like that was a right. devastating event. That was an environmental event that affected depression. Right. Had nothing to do with my brain trauma, had nothing to do with my ADHD, you know, 
we moved. My family moved. We didn't have, you know, all the moving that we did. That was an environmental factors that had nothing to do with the brain trauma or the bio or my biological. So, but, but I did change. Yeah. That's, and the, and I changed when I was getting these, some of these massive concussions. She said, you know, and my wife, Annie at the time, she said like one summer I, she, I didn't know, I didn't even know what a grapefruit was. I'm like, so, and, and, and she goes, that's like one of a hundred stories. Yeah. So, and she used to tell the kids when they were younger, you're like, dad's not the same person he used to be, which is sad. So when, when I was going through this for 15, 20 years, it wasn't dark every day, but there was some, um, some amount of coping that was continuous. And that's why I say it was like waves. Sometimes it was a lot worse than others. Sometimes it would be, it, you know, wasn't as bad, but it was always there. I'd become a different person. And did I know? Yeah, but I didn't know how to get out of it. There was no, well, there was no means back then. Like, right. And I wasn't like, I wasn't mad at the league. Sure. No, I wasn't I like the NHLPA. If anything, I, I was like, should I call them? But like, I wasn't on their medical, so I didn't know if they would be able to help. And you know, the, even this, even fifteen, go back ten, fifteen years, the studies on the brain are a lot different, oh, you yeah. know, than they are today. So. So you just coped, and my therapist even said to me, "It was it was good. I it was it was one of those things I needed to hear." He said, "You know, Jamie, like because I'd, I'd go in and I was beating myself up, and two things happened. One, I was beating myself up a lot. So he finally said, "Listen, I, I have to tell you like something. Like you don't realize how high of a pain tolerance you have, and your ability of what you've gone through in hockey and everything, like." the reason you lasted 15 to 20 years before hitting your breaking point is because of your strength, not because you're weak. Most people would have had their breaking point after five or 10 years, maximum. He goes, yours just took longer. That's the, wow. that's, that's the pro athlete. So that's the, like, here's the good news. Here's the good yeah. news. Yeah. Here's the bad news. You, you, right. you, you battled an extra, an, an extra decade because you're so strong. That's basically what he said. And then he also said, after a while, he realized, he goes, talk therapy isn't work. It's not really working anymore. It's, he goes, we need to get some, that's, they did some neurofeedback. We need to do a brain mapping and some neurofeedback. Your, your brain transmitters, we've looked, you know, I had a brain scan done at the Amen Clinic and stuff. He goes, right. you've got some damage to your brain that needs to be repaired. In addition to the other stuff that we're doing, which is the medications and, you know, some of the stuff that I do on a daily basis. So, well, hold that thought there. I want to go back to our audience and say, and kind of sum what you just went through, because you took some elements of environmental, biological, wellness, um, and we have then damage in, along the way with hits, repetitive hits to the head. It was all invisible. It's inside that beautiful skull. Right. And then all of a sudden it becomes visible at, in the worst sense, in a very intense way that affected your family, yourself, your confidence, your ability to cope, then all of a sudden it became really visible. And that's when you reach out for help. And what we're, as you know, Jamie, what we're trying to do to help people is not allow them to get to a point where you got to because it's very dangerous. 
So yep. by getting in front of them and telling them their options, that they should take a look at the invisible injury and make it visible through scans and technology today, it's going to help them at least minimize the consequences of that dark side you went through. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's just so powerful. No, I got to ask, you, I gotta ask yep. you, though. In 2019, you said something really well last year in, in NBC when they produced the Headstrong series. Uh, you said that uh, you stated that train, it's important to train your bodies, educate your brains, but people, but nobody trains the brain. Tell us about what you meant there. Train bodies, educate brains, but nobody trains the brain. So I'm going to use an example. Um, and I'm going to, I'll share a text that I had recently with a coworker who did, he produced the Headstrong. His name is Sean Madison. He's the producer. So um, I, as I mentioned, I had, I had anger issues. Again, never at anyone. I'm not, I mean, I've never done any physical harm to anyone. But I'd throw things, punch walls, pull on wall, you know. Car rage, all kind like car rage for fifteen, twenty years, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yelling at people, honking or punching the steering wheel, and just no, you know. And you know, with and then there were other things that it would happen at work. Something would bother me, and it would get in a loop. Right. And I couldn't get rid of it, and then I lash out at somebody or say something inappropriate and then I go to bed that night and I never slept so then I think about it and I beat myself up and you get into this cycle that's bad right and so I'm going to just focus on the word anger just 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 I just this one emotion yeah for example yeah please yeah for with and then so I'm going to share something this is a text um from a couple of weeks ago when the Sharks were in Philadelphia. So it was in, in end of February, if somebody listens to the podcast six months from now. So end, end of February, the Sharks were playing in Philadelphia for a game. And I jump back and forth. I do a few games on TV, a few games on radio. If I'm on TV, I, you know, I go over on the radio and do usually a radio in second intermission, then I come back. Or if I'm on radio, I do a pre and post hit on TV and then also one during the second intermission. And it just kind of happened. You know, I get along great with both the play-by-play guys, and but with the radio guy, I even I'd been on the TV side. I'd go over to the radio, but I was coming back. I was a little bit late, not a lot, but a little bit. And it happened three times in a row. And I, I so I mentioned to him, I said, "Hey, listen, I gotta tighten it up, but just a bit, you know, or we have to tighten it up a bit." So then we're in Philadelphia, and I'm on the radio side, and it was a different platform that night. We weren't on the actual radio terrestrial radio. We were actually doing a, an entire digital. So the platform was a little different and the timing was different, but I had to go over and do my, my TV head, but, and I get a text from the producer, like pregame hit and I was late. So I went over and missed part of it. I missed the first part, like Randy Hahn, the TV play by play. He didn't like, I wasn't, in, I was supposed to be in the screen with him. I wasn't. And then I jumped on a headset and I kind of came in halfway through and finished the hit. And I went back and I, I texted Sean Madison back. And this is what I said. And this is the fourth time in a row now. The three other times I made it barely, but I was kind of scrambling. Like, you don't, people don't see it on air, but like 
I should be there a little bit sooner just to, you know, take a sure. deep breath. Like, you're ready. You're going on. It's live television. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I text. He goes pregame hit. And I, I, I hadn't even had a time chance to text him back. But I figured he was going to be mad at me. So I texted him back. It kind of throws everybody. He's like, what, like be a professional. We, we, we pursue excellence. That's what we're sure. pros. We pursue excellence. So this isn't like, and there's nobody at fault here. It's just how you choose to react to a situation. That's like, this is, this is the key thing. How you choose. Mm-hmm. How do you choose? I got, I can give you quotes after quotes after quotes on all sure. of this stuff after that. And I'll get to that in a second, but not all the quotes, but so this is what I texted him back. I'm not saying anything because I've chosen that anger isn't an emotion I want in my life. I will, I will move on and not be pissed at the play-by-play guy I'm working with tonight. And that was it. There and you he go. wrote back, word, big bird, see you second intermission. I am grateful to be here with you tonight in any capacity. And I wrote, ditto, radical yeah. gratitude, calling an NHL game in Philadelphia. Chose the so, path. That's awesome. But I couldn't do that before. Right. So, to, to your question. Training the brain. I trained the brain. So I took, after everything I went through, I said to my therapist, <clears throat> actually, even when I was at the inpatient facility, it's it, uh, after the Impact Foundation, they had me at a TBI place back in Michigan. That's where it started. I started to draw up because I've, I, uh, basically a, a training program, but for my brain. Right. I started That's doing fabulous. research and, and, you know, not deep, not, not like the depth of research that you guys sure. are doing, but research nonetheless, you know, like right. more, of, more at the 10,000 foot level, but research. We and, have, uh, uh, it's, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go okay. Ahead. Well, go so, ahead. yeah, so I started, I start. you know, I, I, I was scratching the surface, but that was, and then I had a relapse. That was the, you know, during the season. Sure. And that was the second leave of absence. And that's when I went in and, like, almost committed suicide but didn't. Oh. Um, and then I, I went in after coming out of the dark hole and met with my therapist the, and my psychiatrist. They put me on, you know, they <laughs> up my, upped my antidepressive uh, meds at the time. And then I, he and I talked, and I said, I, I, don't, I don't want to go back there. Sure. I don't ever want to go back there. Oof. So uh, no. we, we put a plan in place. So this is what I, what I do daily, and it still happens. I still get triggers here and there, and it's not like every day is perfect. But, like, I, I, have, I write down four intent, new intentions every day, like in my Law of Attraction Planner. I have quotes in there every week. I write down – it's the same seven quotes, and – you know, like, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this, and you will find strength, Marcus Aurelius. To bear trials with a, to bear trials with a calm mind robs misfortune of its strength and burden, Seneca. And I have all these affirmations, and I rewrite all these affirmations. Every week, I do it. And what, it, what I'm doing is, I'm t- t- like, if I tell my brain, every time you, you're, if you're angry, so it doesn't matter who it is. If, if it's a close, somebody, we're always like family members. That's who we get mad at the most because we can. But every time you get angry, you've, you're allowing, that's like somebody working, practicing on the piano. When you practice on the piano, 
you get better at it. Mm-hmm. So the more you practice anger, the better you're going to get at it. That's what your brain, your brain is. So I, I, you know, I like try and simplify training so it doesn't get overly complicated. And I stumbled across an email that my daughter gave me about radical gratitude, being grateful basically on a moment-by-moment basis. That's, sure. that's the premise of that's radical fabulous. gratitude. That's fabulous. And while it's not necessarily attainable, because it's, it it's hard to do, it is pursuable. Sure. And the Absolutely. more you get there, and the more you're – so I have a, I have, I've been doing a, a gratitude journal for over two years, two, coming up to three years. And every day, thank you, Lord, for another day. I'm grateful for my comfortable bed. If I, let's say I have a shitty sleep. I'll say, thank you that I had a bad night's sleep in a comfortable bed. I'm grateful that I had a comfortable bed in, even though I didn't sleep well. Well, I'm I'm grateful for my food. I'm grateful for my clothes. I'm grateful for my apartment. I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful that I can fill up my car with gas. I'm grateful for, like, you know, when we travel. I'm grateful for the, I'll I'll say, like, because I fly on the charter plane. I'm grateful that the charter plane, but the amazing crew. I'm grateful for the nice hotel. Like, so I just, it's all simple stuff. Sure. And what, every time you're grateful and you're, what it does, if you're grateful right now, like if I'm like right now, I'm grateful that I'm doing a podcast with you. That's where my mind is. So it can't be in the past where depression resides. It can't be in the future where anxiety sits and waits. Mm-hmm. It can only be in the present moment. Very and good. if you, and if you yeah. study, if you do studies, now you need to stabilize your brain to get it in. I needed to stabilize my brain to allow me to ultimately do the work that I'm currently doing. So I read the daily stoic. I do the daily stoic journal. You know, I meditate during the day. I do a lot of hot yoga. I keep track of my nutrition. It's not great. I mean, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's, it's good. Like, you know, if, if, if my sugar intake starts to increase a little bit too much because of all the travel, I, I start to nip it in the butt at some point. You know, I'm like, okay, that's okay. You know, so you, you, I understand that. So I, you know, if you have a bad day, I'm like, okay, that's a bad day but I don't want to have two bad days in a row. So then I catch it. So what you do is you become conscious of your thoughts all day long. And it's, um, it's, that's what, what I'm saying, trying to do. Well, you're doing it. And I'm grateful, by the way, that you're sharing with our listeners this pattern of what we call self-talk that right. we run into a lot with recipients and families who share the sentiment of it's, I'm I'm a victim of sub concussions or concussions, and I'm my identity's changed. I'm not the same. It's, they start going into the spiral south, as opposed to understanding where they are and what the future and where they are in the moment, and what we can do to make sure that the brain is trained to get forward and movement in positive ways. And so, we we constantly encourage the parents specifically, and also the um, the athletes themselves, pro to youth that there is an element of reassuring your, your safety and your self-talk of confidence, which you say is gratitude that will take you there. And I, what you just shared with people is, is invaluable. That's so I'll, very can cool. I, I'd like to share two quotes that Please. So I, ha- I created these little cheat sheets, you know, one, one on this one sheet, it's half the page is on stoic philosophy, which is really good stuff. Like the stoicism. <laughs> it's from 2000 years ago, Marcus Aurelius, like the, 
emperor from from Rome, but it, it's it's how to live your life. But this is this is a this is from the book The Daily Stoic. And it talks about you're a product of your training, a mind that isn't in control of itself, that doesn't understand its power to regulate itself, will be jerked around by external events and unquestioned impulses. You must put in place training and habits now to replace ignorance and ill-discipline. Only then will you begin to behave and act differently. Only then will you stop seeking the impossible, the short-sighted, and the unnecessary. So that was me. But I couldn't – I had to go through this, you know. And then here's another one. This is on mindfulness. This is on mindful. This is from a book, uh, Shapiro and Carlson. It's actually a course, mindfulness course at Santa Clara University. It requires effort and discipline. Mindfulness requires effort and discipline for the simple reason that the forces that work against our mindful, namely our habitual unawareness and autotomicity, are exceedingly tenacious. So basically, our habitual unawareness, the way that we just automatically do things, is exceedingly tenacious in its so mindfulness is not actually something that comes natural to us. Right, 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 right. right. It's actually something you have to work mm. on. Yeah, absolutely. When we commit ourselves to paying attention in an open way without falling prey to our likes and dislikes, opinions and prejudice, projections and expectations, new possibilities open up and we have a chance to free ourselves from the straitjacket of unconsciousness. Wow. And that's, good. that's like that's heavy, but yeah, it's, that, that's but it's a... Right? Like, that's what you're pursuing. You yeah, know? absolutely. I'm pursuing. It's attainable. And it's, my therapist told me something that was great. And it's like how I've kind of accepted all of this is you want to make some changes in your life to improve. Yes. Okay. So we're going to change things so you have some new habits. Yes. Right. Some people say, well, you get, it takes 21 days for a new habit. I'm like, well, maybe some habits, but not, not all of them. <laughs> it's, I think they're yeah, different. So it's different, but take my gratitude journal and take, take my, my gratitude journal and my love of hot yoga. Hot yoga is great for the mind, but some of the classes I go to are hard. It's like a boot camp, but also because of all my injuries to hockey, that's another reason why I I like it. So it's like, that's my mode of working out. That's also really good for my brain. So you just take those two things. A few years ago, I started to do them every day. And then, but, you know, maybe I'd miss the gratitude journal here and there. But eventually, I was doing it pretty much every day. So in the span of a week, let's say, or in a month, 30 days, I was getting it. I was doing it probably, I got it to the point of being 27 days. Just say, like, maybe I missed it once, once one time a week, like, two or three times a month. That was it. So it became something that I needed to do. That's what a habit is. You need to do You need to change your, that's a habit is something you need, you need to do. And it turned into a lifestyle. It's something I wanted to do. Right. So even now, if I miss it, I, I don't even, it's like a blip on the radar. I know I'm going to do it the next day. Sure. Because I want to do it. And like, and, and, and the same thing, like whatever people like exercise is so good, like find some type of exercise, anything, find something for, it takes 20 minutes to an hour 
and get it so that you like, like, it's not that you need to do it. You're like, oh, shit, I got to go do that. It's like, hold on, I'll call you in an hour. I, I'm going to go do this because I want to do this. Absolutely. Great. And great. so, so the train, that's what all this training that I'm doing, yeah. it's turning into a lifestyle. Like I'll never, I've told people like, why would I ever stop doing a gratitude journal? It doesn't, it makes no sense. I like doing it and it's great for my brain. Like it's telling my brain, Hey, you're happy with what you got. Yeah. I don't need more. I don't need more in my life right now. So this is great. Now, if I get more, that's great, but I don't need it because my brain is happy. It's not telling me you need to go do this. Oh yeah, you need this. You got to go do this. You got to go do this. Sure. That's living in the future. My brain's yeah. not there. So, um, you, you, we're blessed to have you share those tools set with our obviously listeners because this tool set that you mentioned is available. And it does take some help and in in, in assistance. So don't there to a lot to our audience. Please don't be afraid to, to, to reach out to your supporting cast for these kinds of items. Um, it's fabulous, Jamie. I got to ask you a question regarding, you know, you are an athlete, and so are your colleagues. That you threw everything on the line every day on the ice. I mean, everything: your body, your face. You got hit in the puck. With, I saw one tragic time in the face. You just got in front of it. But everybody just throws their bodies up in front of everything because you lay it on the line because of the sports you love. Tell what you're seeing right now, our listeners of the real world, witnessing these wonderful athletes on the ice actually, you know, hitting their brains. And you've been there. You've done that. And what, what are you sharing with some of your friends saying, you know, what could be happening? So be prepared to heal your brain. And you, you have an opportunity to talk like that to some of the current players? Not really. Um, I don't get too involved, and if there's injuries, they keep them from us. But I can tell you it just, it's just the nature of the business, especially, like, as a broadcaster. This is it's going to sound funny, but, you know, I'm basically you know, broadcast. That's one thing. But when you work for a team, you know, like, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're part of the sales you're partially. Yeah, right. You're you're part of the marketing department. Right, you know? I get it now. Well, you know, I'm like it's it's fine line. An, it, it's an infomercial. You yeah. know, it's partially an infomercial. Um, so I don't talk to guys too much. How are you doing and other stuff? I don't get too much into it because, like tomorrow, I like I'm on. I'm going to be on Sirius XM. It's the you know, NHL station. Right. And like, if they ask me about somebody, like I'll, I won't. I won't know, like about an injury or something. I won't know. And I won't lie to them. I'm like, I don't know. Like if I know, I can't tell them anyway. So it's actually almost better. Now regarding heads, there's now, there's new, there's way more information about concussions and stuff. These guys do, they have baseline testing at the start of the year in the NHL. They have, they have a spotter at games. Like the NHL is doing all kinds of things to try and eliminate Listen, they still know. They, I mean, they're not going to admit it because they can't. Legally, they're never going to admit it. They can't because of the fear of a lawsuit. So, admit what? Admit what? That there's concussions in the sport, that there's CTE or anything. They'll never – like, football, so they'll never – They'll never – They're going to be like the NFL and up to the recently never admit it. Legally, it's not worth it for them from a lawsuit. Like, I don't want to go after the league right now. It's The league's trying to do what they can. I knew, 
I knew the they don't I mean, want another what, settlement issue like the NFL just went through. But even that was a crock. The guys sure, aren't getting well, the money. Of course, the guys aren't not for the right reasons. Right. Don't fight. Don't go fighting the owners on this stuff. They're, they they have way too many resources. The owners have the resources. They have the power. And the other thing is, how much are you going to like? And not every ex player would agree with me. Like. I think the league's responsibility is for what they're doing now, and they're trying to they're trying to take it so there's there's less fighting in hockey. They're taking out head contact. You know, they're 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 doing different means that are you know for the safety of the players. Like they're actually doing it. They have spotters in games. If a guy gets hit, he has to go through the concussion protocol. So these are all positive positive steps. I talked to a player recently, and you know, on the Sharks. And he's he's been dealing with concussions, and we, we you know this is one of the few times actually that I had actually I talked to somebody, and he said no, we're being extra careful about this, and I'm like absolutely, you got it, it's your life. He yeah. goes 100, percent you know where before we just would go back out there, so so there's well, more the knowledge, so it's ha- yeah no no there's way more knowledge absolutely, it's 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 definitely changing. It's not going to change overnight, but. You know, like this is why I applaud what you guys are doing, is because you're part of the change. So let me let me put you on the spot as a friend and uh, an advocate for what you have gone through and are helping other people with. Uh, parents come up to you and say, "Little Johnny wants to play hockey." What do you think, Jamie? Is that a good idea? And what would you do? What would you say? How would you position it? Not in a, no, just off off because this is a reaction to you. This is your love of life. And if someone asks you, can my kid play hockey these days with the way they're getting hit in the head? Well, I don't know if I'd let them play football. I gotta be honest. But hockey, I would, I would let them play. My daughter played. She's had concussions. She's also done neurofeedback, and she's on the same little routine I am. And you know, my other daughter was in gymnastics. And you know what? She was in high school gymnastics, and she was one of the ones um, that tossed girls up in the air. What flyer? So they, they throw the flyers up. She and they all they all ended up. Everybody got that gymnastics. I was I was shocked. I'm like there's I'm like there's there's way more injuries in, in gymnastics than hockey. And head injuries way, there what, are. It's percentage wise there are. It's amazing. Yeah, you, the, these girls are in practice. They're coming down. Yep. Yeah, my daughter my daughter got concussions because the girl came down awkwardly sometimes, and her like her knee would hit my daughter right in the head. Okay. Like. It was, you know, so I didn't say not to go back, but you have to, you know, and it's not, when you say take the, per, the necessary precautions, it's, it's not so much. You, you need to understand the sport that you're in yeah. and what's necessary to minimize the chance of a concussion. So in hockey, what I tell people that do ask, I'm like, yes, I would allow my son or daughter to play hockey right now. But before they put a stick in their hand, they're going to learn how to skate sure. and master sure. their edges. Sure. And I, and I used to do, like, I did drills all the time. And I'd have parents like, why are you doing that? What are you doing? And I called it, and I worked with this other guy. He's an ex-military guy. And I'm like, I call, I call, I call it, Injury Prevention 101. 
If you want to get a, I said, if you want to get a parent's, like he, and he calls me sometimes, I go, if you want to get a parent's attention with some of your drills you're doing, just call it injury prevention 101. That all parents care about that. <laughs> they, they just do. So I would do drills on the ice where I would take their sticks out of their hand and I'd put a couple of cones and two kids and they would do like pivots and stuff on their skates and they'd throw a ball back and forth. And so the parents would come up and they're like, well, why were they doing that? And I'm like, well, what were they doing? And I'm like, they'd be like, well, they were like <laughs> kind of pivot, pivoting around the cones, throwing the ball back and forth. I'm it like, yeah. like hockey to me. <laughs> and I said, so what? So they were working on what? Well, I said, they were working on their skating. They're like, yeah. And I said, where was their head? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, was their head up the whole time? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. I want them to work on their footwork with their head up. Because right. if you take your head down. So my daughter, if she's going to be in gymnastics, if she's throwing, I don't want her ever getting distracted and not looking at the flyer. And if she sees that the flyer is out of control, then she needs to reposition herself so that she doesn't get direct contact to the head. Yeah. Like that's like you have to. So that's like, and, and it's the same thing in hockey. So I'm like, well, teach the kids how to skate and have superior balance and edge work and they play the game with their head up and if they do that their chances of getting hit or getting in some type of bad contact or a head injury goes down yeah, and it's absolutely. you can be it's the same thing in soccer like sure. recognizing the situation like okay you're going to go in to head the ball you're if you are you going to go in if you're going in with somebody that's the exact same size as you and it's in the middle of the field. Is it really worth it? No. So why don't you go, why don't you just go into a defensive position and let them head the ball? Now, if it's somebody that's two feet taller than you, then go ahead, jump up, because you're just right. going to contact right. their stomach, you know? All right. So proper technique, make sure the technique's in place, understand the game better, education yes. about it versus being sloppy and being dangerous positions. It's, it's so true, and the the coaching is so much needed in that element. And that's, that's take that's injury great. prevention as the sure. number. It's put it as the, like what in the, de in the facet of development, because you're going to, you're developing whatever athlete you're doing, make injury prevention, the number one priority when developing, not winning, not winning injury prevention. So, so go, go to all, do whatever you can to make sure that, you're going to minimize injuries first and foremost. Well, I got to take you on the road with me and talk this language with me because I'm trying to, <laughs> in, our, in our championship vision, what we'd love to see is every athletic facility from pro to youth in our dream, pro starting because they got the resources and then going down the college ranks, just a corner of their training facility that has millions of dollars of equipment dedicated to below the chin for bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. You have one corner of that facility dedicated to Elements of proper training and technique to your to your business, or that's the sport. Brain healing, brain health options, and taking care of that three pound brain. But nothing like that exists. And wouldn't it be wonderful just to start that that groundswell, one corner of every building, and just let it develop and see how important it is to the scenario? Because we call it the chin up concept. If everyone's chin up about proper training, proper technique, proper head up, proper healing opportunities, options a lot of things start to come around with, with, with curiosity and better answers for these young athletes. That's great well, stuff. And if, you're, and if you're training your brain 
and you're using different, there's all kinds of different means. I know you know that. Like if your brain is healthy and you're sleeping well and you're making proper choices yeah. and you're not, you're not anxious, like you can be nervous before a big game, but like if you're overly anxious or if you're beating yourself up about a game and it won't go away and it's affecting you and it's affecting yeah. your moods and it's affecting your focus and other things, that's, you got to stop that, that pattern. Sure. Cause that's not, yeah. that's not going to help you become a better anything better. It's not going to help you become a better athlete, a better student, a better friend, a better person. You know, like first and foremost, the brain, the brain is the muscle that oversees all the other muscles. So, Jamie, I'm going to be your publisher, and I won't charge a fee. You need yeah. to put together a small little book and put it together for everybody. It's going to be awesome. Let's, it'd be great. It's, we, you have so many great ideas from experience you've been through. through the, and it's so powerful for our audience to listen to this as we wrap up, is that because we do want to get you back on. You've got so much to talk about, and I do want to make sure that, you know what, you have, you've gone through a lot. You've got, a, you've got so many different tools. You've been through it. Nobody can tell you differently. And I would encourage you as a friend and as a colleague in this business of helping people understand their brains. Don't be afraid to put something in print or just do more of these podcasts to help people get through this. This is just phenomenal. Well, I appreciate um, it. It's actually something I'm, I'm thinking about doing now. I got it. It's awesome. Great. As, as, um, I'm not as fidgety as I used to be. So the, the chances of me actually sitting <laughs> down and maybe doing it, I'm actually, this, it might be something I do this summer. I might start. Well, I have some, I have some ideas, but the, the thing I want to do is, and I'm like, I want to, if I'm going to do it, and I, this, I, you, you'll totally get it. I want it to, I want to make an impact. Like, I don't want to just do it to do it. I'm like, so how can I make an impact? Like, how can I get people to say, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Yep. You, it makes, you know like, like, like that's, that, that's, that's my goal, right? Like, it, you know what? That makes sense. And they don't have to go full bore like I did, because maybe they don't have the, they didn't have the, they're not as symptomatic as I was. Or, but, you know, as, 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 as you're, as you, but, but, you know, they don't have to be as passionate as you are, but they can be, they can still be passionate. Does that make sense? Be, sure. And as you it. know, though, don't, don't, I mean, I think you start changing the opportunity and the topic because as you know so well, uh, once become, once people become knowledgeable, which you would open up the gates of knowledge for them in terms of the other way of printing it as an ex-pro athlete and pro athlete of mindset, just bringing knowledge to their fingerprints and their eyeballs, all of a sudden they go, I get it, because no one's ever told me yeah. this. And so we're not far away, my friend, and that's one reason yeah. we're doing these podcasts. So I want to totally. I want to thank you for your time uh, in, the, in the best interest of our audience's time, because we're going to do this again and extract another uh, topic of your experience of concussions and so forth uh, down the road here. But I want to thank you again for your time and our listeners. Um, I do want to wrap up, you know, being the only nonprofit in the country dedicated to brain healing and sports-related concussions, we have a lot of work to do, and it's professionals like Jamie that obviously you've just heard that and what he wants to do to share his work and his beliefs and his knowledge with colleagues to help athletes understand the importance of there is a better life through brain, brain healing, brain training, et cetera. And um, so, Jamie, thanks for your time today. It's just awesome. Um, no, thank, thank you. Thank you for what you guys are doing. I well, look forward to working more with you. So, Well, and we are just, you know, embracing your skill set in terms of your knowledge and ability to connect with people. And as, as you know, 
and I'd say, how can anybody get a hold of you regarding items from our conversation today? Email me at uh, Darren at oneinaway.org, and I'll I'll bring it up to Jamie, and we'll Perfect. find a way to connect. And we'd love to help anybody on the topic of brain healing. Um, and before we end, I do want to share with our listeners, our website is uh, onehitaway.org uh, for brain healing, brain health, uh, discussions, testimonials, um, nutrition programs. Uh, we are very proud of what we put together and uh, a lot of advice from the people that hang around us, such as Jamie and others. So we, we are just very, very grateful. And also our motto at One Hit Away Foundation, One Hit Away understands your brain can change your game. And as you know that, Jamie, so well. So, again, thank you very much for your time, and uh, this is a wonderful podcast and more to come. Have a great day. Thank you. Yep, great stuff. Thanks, Darren. Thanks. Good night. Yay!